On this episode, I show disgust for a faker. I go over the disappearance and recovery of a scammer. I talk about the discovery of Madison Scott. And I cover a bunch of other stuff, including a very cool shirt. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for May 29th, 2023. Let's have ourselves a live show. What do you say? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the live show, the Unfound Live Show for May 29th of 2023. Here in the United States, it is Memorial Day, a day where... um, Veterans, military veterans who died in battle are remembered. We do uh, remembered, and we do have a Veterans Day as well for all alive veterans, but we have Memorial Day for all those who, uh, as uh, one of these sayings goes, um, all gave some and some gave all. So happy Memorial Day to all of you, uh, at least all of you here in the United States. I realize that we have people who tune into the live show and of course the podcast and everything else unfound does from all over the world. Before I get started, I want to remind everybody to hit the thumbs up button greatly helps what we do here. Gets it on everybody's radar. Gets the live show, gets this channel. Uh, We're almost up to 16,000. Subscribers on the channel, which is nice. And uh, so all of you can help that along by just doing that right now. And of course, I'll say that like five more times before this two-hour live show is over. And I know sometimes some of you in the chat like to remind people as well. Um. My brother Brian and my nephew John stopped down to my place today. We had a nice visit. Uh, Charlie, I see you're in there, but yes, your uh, uncle Brian and your cousin John were down today. We kind of just kind of stood out on the balcony for a while and talked. Then we came inside and sat around on the new couch and talked. And it was a good time. Um um, we were supposed to, like a few days ago, I was going, I had, still haven't seen my brother Brian's new, oh, it's not new, but my brother and his wife got an RV, a uh, 2011. I still haven't seen it in person yet. And it was going to go over on Saturday evening to see it, but um, Brian was picking John up at the airport and it was, traffic was all messed up. So that may be happening uh, tomorrow evening, but we talked about the RV today. We talked about all sorts of crazy stuff today. Talked about living at the beach. Talked about uh, crazy drivers. We talked music. We talked a bunch of, about a whole bunch of, of uh, different things. Didn't do any eating or anything. Really didn't have anything to offer them, frankly. But it was good to see them. Uh, I don't 
my brother, even though he lives like 20, 25 minutes away, uh, he doesn't make it down here too often, but I don't make it over to his place that often these days either. Just it's his place is a little bit out of my way and my place is a little bit out of his way. I'm still hoping he comes down here one of these days for a really good, a lightning storm. Once in a while, we get some nice lightning storms out there on the Gulf and uh, they are a spectacle, but it's just a little tough to predict just because there's a big storm coming in does not mean that there will be uh, you know, excellent uh, lightning shows. So it just depends. So let's see who's in here. And I got uh, a lot to talk about, including uh, a disappearance that's one of the most well-known disappearances, uh, maybe not just in its own country, but in the entire North America, that at least part of it has been solved. I'm going to spend some time uh, talking about that. And that's just like new news within the last 24 hours. Hello, Charles. Uh, like I said, Charles, uh, Uncle Brian and, and cousin uh, Johnny were uh, down today. Hello, Sarah from New York. Hello, Karen. Paula, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. Look at the emojis with Lisa. Marty, what's going on? Leah, Jasmine, Kathy, Suzanne, the real Coppelia. Moderator, Sheree, what's going on, Sheree? Puma, Glenn, what's going on from Georgia? Once again, hello, Charlie. Twinkle, going to get to Twinkle here in a second. Deborah, good to see all of you. Barbara, what's going on? Of course, for everybody who's tuned in live right now to the live show, you can see me. For all of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you're missing it. But Twinkle sent me a shirt. And it was kind of funny because Twinkle actually sent me a picture of it first. He actually sent me a couple different pictures of a couple different shirts. And uh, she was thinking, you know, Ed, is this shirt a little, maybe a little too... um, non-masculine enough for you. And I said, no, no, I love it. Please send it. So what I am wearing is a a shirt Twinkle sent. And it is a Star Wars short shirt, which I think is my first Star Wars shirt ever, which is spectacular. And it has a little Baby Yoda on it, little Grogu on there that says protect attack snack protect attack snack and then it says the mandalorian at the bottom is that fantastic or what i love it in fact i'm going to wear it uh surely to trivia on thursday evening i'm where i'll wear it again on thursday what do i care um but it is spectacular i have to admit i'm a huge mandalorian fan but I really have not had the time to sit down and uh, watch this most recent season, the third season, uh, yet. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, most of the TV watching that I do is, uh, you know, only like 25% on the TV because I'm doing other things. And this is usually why I find myself having things on the TV that I've already seen before. Um, very common. 
So when it comes to something new, like a new series or something like that, you know, you can't do that. You know, you, you just can't miss the idiosyncrasies and, uh, and uh, you'll miss lines. You'll miss things you need to see. You know, there are plot points or anything. And I've just been very busy. So um, it's one of those things. If you don't catch it right when it comes out, then you keep putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And before you know it, you're like eight or nine episodes behind. And that's what's kind of happened to me with Mandalorian for season three. I thought seasons one and two were very good. I would admit I've seen some reviews of season three that it was kind of meza meza, but I'll just have to see for myself. But yes, Twinkle sent me this shirt, protect, attack, snack. And um, if you've seen the Mandalorian and Grogu, the little baby Yoda, baby Yoda does like to eat. And uh, likes to eat things that are still living. And uh, it was kind of a humorous part of the first uh, couple seasons of The Mandalorian. So, Twinkle, I cannot thank you enough. (laughs) I just thought, Twinkle, it was funny when you showed me the picture of the shirts. And it was like, is this not masculine enough? And I'm like, no, it's fantastic. Send it to me immediately. So, Twinkle, great choice. I cannot thank you enough. It's really cool. And it's my first Star Wars shirt. I didn't even have, you know, any Star Wars shirts. Of course, I was right in that, you know, Star Wars is kind of like, a, you know, started as kind of a Gen X thing. 1977, first movie, then 80, and then 83. You know, um, people of my generation have really grown up with it. but. I had some of the I had all the action figures and stuff as a kid. In fact, I'm sure there's somewhere in my dad's attic up in Pennsylvania. But I never had any shirts or anything. And I even dressed up as a stormtrooper one year in elementary school. But um never really had any shirts or anything. So this is a first. So there you go. It's protect, attack snack and this is the first time i think in a while that i've not worn an unfound shirt for the live show so um there you go i'm hoping everybody's like uh likes it and i hope i'm not ruining for anybody who hasn't seen the mandalorian and was planning to see it but uh you would have to have lived under a rock like the last three years to not see uh the little um what everybody i mean the the little i don't know if it's a boy or a girl or anything but the little creature um you know that looks like a little you know baby yoda but baby yoda does have actually have a real name in the series and the name is grogu where they came from that i don't know but what's really funny is that they really didn't re- reveal grogu's name for f- quite a while because of that, it's Baby Yoda really caught on. And then when they finally re- released in an episode Baby Yoda's real name, it's like, no, 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 no. It's really Baby Yoda. I didn't really care what it was. Grogu. No, we're just going to call him Baby Yoda. We don't care what the real name is. It's just Baby Yoda. So um, 
Thank you so much, Twinkle. Uh, I'm I'm telling you right now that uh, this shirt will get plenty of wear. I'll try not to wear it out, though. I will uh, save it for uh, the special occasions. So we'll have to see what those are. So there you go. Anything else uh, going on with me uh, personally? Not not a lot. I've just been spending a lot of time uh, here at home. And in fact, here on Memorial Day, like I said, my brother and nephew were around. I didn't even really cook anything. In fact, I'm hungry right now, just to be honest with you. But I just caught up doing some things. I did the unfound now that I'll, I'll get to today. And uh, just kind of got involved in a lot of work. And when I do that, eating just kind of goes to the side. So let's uh, get started. Like I said, lot to cover. Um, lot to cover before the night is over. However, I have to check something for a moment. Uno momento, please. Talk amongst yourselves. Let me see here, because I'm going to start first with the Sean Dickerson poll. And I didn't check to see what the... Okay, here we go. There they are. All right. I want to first start out tonight by, as far as true crime stuff, talking about the Sean Dickerson poll. That, of course, was the episode that came out this past Friday. As I stated in the episode, I've been talking to uh, his mother, Trisha, for quite a while. I mean, I started talking to her when I was still living down in Madeira Beach uh, well before I moved here, well before even my mother died in November 2018. So it's been a while. So it was finally absolutely spectacular that finally I got to speak to her and uh, off, and then to, of course, Sean's stepfather, Philip, and they appeared on video. What is not obvious, if you've, you know, if you've listened to or watched the episode, we had some technical issues during that interview that had to be sorted out. In the final version, of course, you can't tell, but we had some uh, internet issues that popped up, but that is the reason that I don't do these uh you know the podcast live i don't do interviews live i may do this live show of course it's live but it's just different um but it reminded me when i interviewed them why i don't ever try to do anything interview people uh live i do that with dr telesco but it's her show she gets to you know she runs it not myself but the sean dickerson poll um All I simply asked in the discussion group was what happened to Sean Dickerson? And the three choices I gave were he jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. He went and is still living with the Rainbow family or the other. I just left it very wide open. Something else. And in the discussion group, 71% decided that something else happened to him besides him going off the the Golden Gate Bridge or going to live with the Rainbow family. What's interesting to me regarding that is those seem to be the two most popular theories since Sean went missing in 2011. I think that, you know, if you go look at it now or maybe you did a little of your own research before the 
reading about it before the episode came out, as I know many of you do, you know that the Golden Gate Bridge theory and the Rainbow Family theory are the two most popular ones. But for the discussion group, uh, something else, and then people typed out what they meant by something else uh, below in the comments. Um, little surprised by that. Uh, and in fact, uh, he went off with the Rainbow family, only got 5%. So it's 71% something else, 24% Golden Gate Bridge, and only 5% he went and is still living with the Rainbow family. Very, very uh, interesting results to me. Now, I will tell you, I've known about Sean's um, disappearance, of course, for a while, well before... I ever spoke uh, to his mother, and I think even well before I uh, even started Unfound. And I will even tell you that even when I started talking to her, let's just say in 2018, that my idea was that he did go off the Golden Gate Bridge. But, you know, uh, when you start to think about it more and more, and then you talk more and more to his mother, and then, of course, on, along the way, I hear a lot of stories about disappearances, and we've covered a lot of disappearances on Unfound, over 290 of them now. It's amazing how your thoughts on uh, disappearances and certain disappearances and theories can change, and I find that happening quite a bit. These days, of course, for disappearances that I've known about for a long time, then you do unfound, and some of those things are going to change. And I will tell you that I also, um, you know, decided that it was something else. Uh, I have switched from he went off, uh, jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge to something else, kind of splitting, I guess, the difference between the Golden Gate Bridge and the Rainbow family. So that's where I am. Now I will tell you at the uh, in the Think Tank, which is held every Sunday evening. Of course, I mention that every week here on the live show. If you'd like to be part of the Think Tank, you have to sign up for the uh, you know at the premium level of at least twelve dollars a month. And we have that. Of course, you get a lot of other things uh, when you sign up at that level at Patreon.com forward slash Unfound Podcast. It was a bit mixed. Um, I would even say that the think tank, you know, in its, you know, was very mixed like the discussion group was. Um, but, you know, there was an, an, I think an overriding, you know, or un, was it overtones or undertones uh, when talking about Sean that, Given the way he was, his quirkiness, his unpredictability, the way he liked to do things very uniquely and everything, that, you know, he may just try to fake everybody out. And that he could have predicted that people would come across those pictures and that, yes, somebody would find the picture that he took from the Golden Gate Bridge. And, you know, automatically everybody thinks something. And then. Um, but that he did that like maybe on purpose to get people to think one thing when he actually did another. I think that's where a lot of people are on this, um, 
on this disappearance. So, uh, for any of you, uh, you know, there hasn't been any chat here for a couple minutes. I say, I hope the chat hasn't, uh, broken down or, or something, but, um, any of you have any insights, any of you would like to express your theories, uh, please think about doing so, uh, in the chat regarding Sean's disappearance. I think it is one that lends itself to a lot of different interpretations, but I also think this is a prime example of a disappearance where, I, you know, I say that disappearances are about people. Um, that, you know, the circumstances actually might mislead us. Maybe the circumstances will help us figure out what happened, but circumstances can be manipulated. They can be made to look like one thing when they're actually something else. Whereas when you get to know the person, especially if you got to know the person over a long period of time, looking at it, he or she, little kid, teenager, young adult, into their 20s, you can get start to get a good feel for a person and what might cause that person to go missing. So uh, once again, anybody has any more insight into Sean's disappearance, please type it out in the chat. In fact, I'm going to check something uh, right now here. Everybody hang on for a moment. Another moment. Make sure I'm not missing anything here. I know this is going to be weird, but I'm going to do this anyway. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Puma says, I guess I've been living under a rock. Um, you know, you don't have to think like that, Puma. You know, maybe, you know, I, I have to admit, Puma, I think that's a very good point. Probably in retrospect, I maybe, or we should have, myself and Philip and Trisha, maybe should have gotten into who the Rainbow family is uh, a little bit more. You may be totally right about that, Puma. And if you feel that way, I cannot blame you. Maybe that, sh- that was a little overlooked. You should know, though, that a listener, and probably I should post this. Maybe I'll do that after the live show tonight, uh, did send me a documentary on the Rainbow family. And uh, coincidentally, it came out the year after Sean went missing. And in fact, I looked it up and it was posted to YouTube in July of 2012. And of course he went missing in late, uh, 2011. And I guess there has been some things said out there, true crime blogs, that there is a young man in that documentary who kind of looks like Sean. Now I will tell you that this listener sent me this documentary. I went to those specific, spots i suppose there's the one shot of him you can't even see the guy's face but in the other one you get a decent look at his face but it's i guess a resemblance but that's as far as i would go and as i told uh the listener who sent it to me you know, this this documentary, and it's done it as its own music, and a lot of people did it, different people are interviewed. 
it's somewhat professionally done. Well, you know, it came out, it got posted to YouTube in July. And we'd believe that everything got arranged and unique music and everything. And um, Sean is in it, even though the documentary just got made. It's a little hard to imagine. Uh, that's why I would roll it out. In fact, I think I've decided that that documentary was actually filmed like the year before, like the summer before. So before Sean even went missing, you'll have to figure that out for yourselves. And I will have to remind myself to post that uh, link to that. And it's on YouTube. It's on here. YouTube, of course, you can go to it later after the live show is done. But uh, I will post it in the group. I will post it on the uh, the Facebook page. I'll also put it on the website, theunfoundpodcast.com on Sean's page. If any of you uh, want to check it out for yourself, I'll even also put the, the specific places that you should go to if you want to see this person who some say looks like Sean. You can make that decision for yourself. Uh, but Puma, uh, uh, duly noted, we probably should have done a little bit of uh, one to two minute explanation about who the Rainbow family is. The real, the bridge is monitored in some way due to its suicide rate, isn't it? Well, it is the real, it is, but. Cameras, et cetera, what are the chances of a suicide being unseen by those measures? Do a few slip past of that unseen? Well, the real, there is now this story very recently of a young woman who went out there when it was foggy and she never came back. So it is possible, although it seems on the day that Sean was out there, it was not, it was not uh, foggy. But I agree with you that I think most people who go off the bridge are eventually found, of course, deceased. Uh, so there is that part of it, the real, but... On the other hand, I don't know if that's uh, a foolproof uh, sol- you know, way to think about this. Certainly something to think about, something to consider. But given that the, the Golden Gate Bridge has been on my radar for a while, given the San Francisco disappearances that we've covered, um, you don't hear too much news about people being seen jumping off on video or anything. So, but we know it's still happening. So it's, it's just, it's just hard to tell the real, uh, I, I know, I think you make a good point. I just don't know if that is foolproof. Twinkle, I highly recommend the think tank. We have a lot of in-depth. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we have gotten to know each other personally and would love to hear your opinions. That's right. Twinkle. It is like a little family. um, uh, in there on Sunday evenings, uh, and we're always willing to admit new family members. That is certainly true. Once again, f- patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. Sign up at least at the $12 a month level. And like I said, that's not the only special um, thing that you get access to. Uh, Charles, I don't know if you knew, uh, cousin Rob ran around with the Rainbow family for years. I think. I knew that he was doing it. I didn't know it was specifically the Rainbow family, Charlie. I knew that um, he was doing that. And, you know, and the weird thing, of course, now he's gone back and gotten his doctorate. Who would have thunk it? But um, I did know that he was living the bohemian lifestyle, the gypsy lifestyle uh, for a few years. 
And but I didn't know it was the Rainbow family. That's funny. I'll have to I'll have to mention that to your mother, uh, Charlie and, and Jim, now that you've said that. I didn't know that, and I don't know if they know I covered this disappearance of Sean Dickerson. Huh. Okay, thank you for uh, cluing me in. Uh, the real, maybe it's bad PR for tourism to talk about it too much. Sounds callous to say, but that's how the powers that be. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, right. Um, you're probably right. It is not very good PR. And they've, I don't know if it's completed or not, but they've actually constructed, some, started or constructed some sort of net below um, the bridge now, the reel, although I don't know all the specifics on that. Um, you know, they've taken measures to try to stop it, but the way we humans are, uh, we have our minds set on something. It's amazing how we can still get it done despite all of the uh, hurdles that are put in our way. But you're right. It would be bad PR. Charlie says he was their financial manager ish. Yes, that's right. That, that, that would make sense. Charlie, we're giving, uh, given Rob, that would make a lot of sense. I'm not going to get into, you know, I, like I said, I watched a little bit of that documentary today that the listeners sent me. I don't know. I, I'm just, uh, I, you know, I, 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 I don't know. You know, everybody's going to live their lives the way they want, but it all, it seems not just weird. I, I don't want to get into it, but, um, I didn't know it was the rainbow family, Charlie, and I'll just leave it at that. MT, I wish I could join the think tank. That's fine. MT, maybe one of these days you'll get to, uh, the think tank's not going away. So maybe one of these days, but, uh, it is constructive. It is a place uh, where you know everybody gets to say what they have to say. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. Everybody gets to have their own theories. Uh, I give my own thoughts, and um, I, I try to play a little bit of a devil's advocate in there sometimes. You know, challenging, not you know, in a nice way. But we try to have really, really good constructive discussions in there. And uh, I think everybody who has taken part in it uh, enjoys it. Although we've certainly lost some members, you know, financial issues and things. And um, But I think that everybody has something uh, positive to say about Think Tank. And just being a Patreon member in general, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. All right, so that was Sean Dickerson. And I'll say this again. I think that covering Sean's disappearance once again shows that um, these disappearances that have been all put together, of course, we've covered three of them now. Uh, Sean Dickerson, Cameron Remmer, Jackson Miller, and then the two we've not gotten to yet. I hope to get to them one of these days soon. And I have spoken to Christian Hughes' mother in the past. It's been a while. I should probably reach out to her, but I've never spoken to anybody in Sean Seedy's family, although I've attempted many times, but I think this once more, now that we've covered the three of the five that, although there's certainly kind of all, you know, young men, young white men 
in San Francisco, this time frame of what, like 2009 to 2013, something like that. Certainly that catches people's eyes. But when you really start looking at these disappearances individually, I think you can tell that they're not connected at all. Um, they're all very, very unique. Um, we have at least two guys, um, Cameron and Christian, who didn't even live there. We have, of course, Cameron, when he was there, he was dealing drugs. When Jackson was there, he was going through some mental, uh, he had struggled with some mental health issues for a while. Sean, hard to say, he certainly seems to be the quirkiest of the three. And considering Cameron Remmer and the way he was like, that's saying something. So, and then Sean Seedy, he had had a brain injury from something that had happened to him at one point. You know, they're all very unique individually. The circumstances of each of their disappearances are totally different. And in looking at them, the way I look at it, at least what I understand about Christian Hughes' disappearance, there are probably two of them that foul play is a pretty good possibility, but the other three doesn't seem like that at all. So it's just some weird statistical anomaly that men, you know, in a certain age range and they're all the same, uh, are all the same gender. They're all the same race. And then they're in the same city. It just seems to be a statistical anomaly to me. Laura love the Sean Dickerson episodes. Parents seem like such nice people. And he was quite a guy. He was quite a guy. That's a good way to put it, Laura. And thank you for that. Thank you for, uh, the kind words about the interview. And you're right, Trisha and Philip. Very easy to like. That is certainly true. Kathy Jackson lived in Cupertino, Sunnyvale, near San Jose, 50 miles south. I used to work in Cupertino. Okay. Uh, Kathy. Right. Yes. Um, I guess I should say in the San Francisco area. Christian and, uh, of course, Cameron were from Southern California. I guess that's what I was trying to say, All right, I have to move on to um, had the entire agenda set. I had worked on it yesterday for tonight's uh, live show. And then out of nowhere, I, I, you know, once again, you never know when these kinds of things are going to pop up. But then today I see the news. That Madison Scott's remains have been found. Did not see this coming at all. And even the circumstances and where they were found are at this point a question mark. But what's weird about it is, of course, today is May 29th. She went missing on May 28th of 2011. So, like, kind of, exactly 12 years to the day. Now, my understanding is that she was actually found a few days ago, but finally they released it. I guess it seems they did this pretty, pretty quickly. So I don't know what that means. We know how, at least here in the United States, DNA testing takes a while. So I'm not sure how they figured out so quickly that it was Madison, was it because, was her ID, was was an ID on the remains? 
uh, you know, dental records? Was it clothing or something like that? Or has somebody come forward to admit, yeah, I killed Madison here where you can find her. All these things are not known at this point. This is, this is cutting, cutting, cutting edge uh, news for tonight. Now, if you're not familiar with Madison Scott, um, it's probably, along with the Pickering Six, um, probably the best-known, most well-known disappearance in Canada. Probably. Young woman, she went camping with a bunch of friends at a place called Hogsback Lake, which is in western Canada. And she went missing. Uh, she showed up there with a friend and the friend's boyfriend. They ended up leaving. They claimed that, you know, she decided to stay. So she's at this huge party or whatever is going on, but she has her own tent. It sounds like she really wasn't congregating with uh, many other people. She had driven her own truck there and everything. And then a lot of people left. And the next day, her tent was still there, but she was gone. Her truck was still there. She was gone. And I'm going to read this article. It gets more into the specifics. And probably when it comes to the disappearance of a regular person in Canada, it's like the biggest search in Canadian history. They were all over that area looking for ATVs. Uh, there, was a, there was a documentary that I think you can still find on uh, YouTube. About I forget what it's called, but going into how they looked for her everywhere. And of course, it didn't help. There was like a river nearby. And uh, they were looking at, you know, the, the, the RACMP, Royal, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, tracked down everybody who was at the party and really no clues as to, you know, something foul play might have occurred. There was talk that there were a couple guys who were like way outside the age range of these early 20-somethings who were there that, you know, they might have been looking to meet, you know, girls or, or something. Uh, and it seemed none of that has panned out. It You know, none of it panned out. And then all of a sudden, I um, I was doing something on my phone and it came up in Google News and I was like, what? And then I did a more complete search, and yes, it is true. The remains of Madison Scott have been found. And Kathy's saying, never heard of Madison Scott. Where did she live? She's a Canadian. She was from Vanderhoof in British Columbia. And like I said, she went to this party, this big gathering. I think it was like an end of school year, college year or something gathering, and she went missing. Uh, Mason, I'm from Canada. I've always been fascinated by Maddie's case. You threw me off my couch this afternoon with this news on Facebook. Well, I'm hoping you didn't get hurt, Mason. <laughs> I didn't mean to throw you off your couch. That's an interesting way to put it. Good one. Um, you know me, uh, anytime that I see new disappearance news, I try to put it up as quickly as possible, you know, remains being found, especially with disappearances that, uh, you know, are old, like we get, you know, five years, seven years, 10 years, in this case, 12 years. Um, I, I was stunned as well. And, uh, Shree's not in here anymore. She texted me, her power went out. 
but I texted her as soon as I got the news and she was like, wow, you know, I feel the same way. I feel like you do Mason. I wouldn't say uh, I about fell off my couch too. Uh, just, you know, the, it's amazing how these things can happen out of nowhere. Of course we have experience with unfound disappearances like this as well. Um, Uh, you know, Esther Westenbarger, for example, Zoe Campos, just, just come out of nowhere. You just don't see it coming. Um, Marty says, I'm not familiar with this case either with these. Um, I don't know. I thought, uh, like I said, I guess from my perspective, uh, it, it's very well known. There's been so much coverage of it. I suppose, you know, if, you know, kind of. You know, maybe uh, we as Americans, maybe just regular Americans, maybe not paying attention to or something. Um, maybe, I, you know, obviously some people have not heard of it, but, you know, I've known about it even well before I started Unfound. Uh, Sheree, oh, welcome back, Sheree, by the way. Madison was covered on an episode of Disappeared. Marty, I'm happy I'm not the only one. That's okay. Uh Okay, Sheree. Rockford, I remember this case. A lot of people were blaming the friend for leaving her alone. A lot of theories had her targeted because she was on her own. All true, Rockford. There was also a documentary on YouTube. Yes, I was talking about that, Sheree, and I would hope that people are going to go check it out after this live show is over. So I'm not going to read the news. Really, all the news articles are the same, at least when I was looking it up earlier today. So you could do a search for Madison Scott. You're going to see all these different news articles from different sources, but really it's all the same story. So just keep that in mind. But this is like really, really, really new. So there's still not a lot of particulars out there. The remains of British Columbia woman missing for a dozen years have been found on a rural property in Vanderhoof. Remember, remember that Vanderhoof RCMP said Monday. So that's today. When they say Monday, that is today, May 29th. The announcement of the discovery came 12 years to the day after Madison Scott was reported missing by a family member. Police have said she was 20 years old when she went missing in the early morning of May 28th of 2011. She had been at a party celebrating a friend's birthday at Hogsback Lake outside Vanderhoof. When they say outside Vanderhoof, you should know it's about 25 kilometers, which is about 17 miles. RCMP said in a news release issued Monday, that Scott's remains were found days ago in the search on the property, but couldn't say exactly when and where they were located. North District RCMP said officers were on scene executing a search warrant on the property. Police said Scott's remains have been positively identified by the BC Coroner Service, and the family has been told and have asked for privacy. RCMP Corporal Madonna, that's interesting, Madonna Saunderson, said the discovery is a significant development for the ongoing investigation and foul play has not been ruled out. Police issued a statement Sunday on the anniversary of her disappearance saying they needed the public's help in finding her. Early in the investigation, police determined that it was out of character for Madison to not be in contact with her family and friends. It said the young woman was vibrant, free-spirited, loyal, and kind. When not hard at work at her parents' family business, Madison immersed herself in family and friends, softball, photography, hockey. This year, Madison would be 20, 32 years old. She would likely be immersed in her career and may have gotten married and had children. The police or the family had offered a $100,000 reward 
for any information leading to the arrest and laying of charges of those responsible for her disappearance. RCMP say they found the remains after she, uh, 12 years after she went missing. Um, all right. The area has been secured and additional resources are anticipated to be on scene for as long as may be required. Um, like I said, days ago, uh, neither did Saunderson say whether the information leading to Scott's discovery came from new information by the public or something else. Uh, once again, re- it was a high profile case. Scott's disappearance maintained a high profile with billboards and posters asking for tips about her disappearance, still a common sight in Vanderhoof and neighboring communities. Her family is uh, still about the, um, she disappeared with her iPhone and the keys to her pickup truck, leaving her tent and the vehicle behind. Uh, family and police said it was unusual for not to be in touch. Leading investigators uh, believed at the time that foul play was involved. Extensive ground, air, and water searches were carried out at the time to no avail. And family and friends have kept hope of her discovery alive through a Facebook page and an annual search of the area where she was last seen. In a video statement released in 2021, her mother described her as wonderful, messy, creative, and loving, while a hockey teammate remembered her as a photography enthusiast. So once again, this is breaking news, and that's really all that is out there. Uh, It's just even unclear how they identified her. My opinion would be that it was not through DNA. It was through something else. Now, The article doesn't say a lot, but I think what is most important is that she disappeared. The last time she was seen was at Hogsback Lake. And like I said, that's 25 kilometers away. That's what, 17, 18 miles from Vanderhoof. But as it says here in the article, her remains were found on the east side of Vanderhoof. So back where near where she grew up, where she was living. I'm not saying it was right. It was in the city limits of where she lived. The remains were not found near Hogsback Lake. This is probably the biggest deal of the news that has been released. Now, it would tell me just knowing that alone. Now, do we have experience in this area? We do. Tom Brown probably comes to mind for many of you. We know that his car or his his SUV, his Durango, was right there in Canadian. And we know that 30% of him was found 12 miles away. If you remember, I've been there. I went to the exact spot where his SUV was, and it went pretty much to the exact spot where his remains were found. That was 12 miles. And... That's open to interpretation on how that all happened. I'm not going to get into that. But we do have a precedent. In contrast to the disappearances that we've covered where most of the time the people were found within a mile or so of where they were last seen. For example, Crystal Morrison, Esther Westenbarger. Of course, Zoe Campos was found in the backyard of the last house uh, that she was in. Robbie Hurt. Um, Devin Bond was, of course, not found, maybe not within a mile, but pretty close to where he lived when he was eventually found in in a search. Unfortunately, the young man committed suicide. 
And then we have something like Madison Scott, or we have something, you know, disappearance like Tom Brown. And, you know, I have to admit where I am with Tom Brown is I do not think that there was any foul play. What strikes me as different with um, Madison's disappearance, I think I'm way more open to the idea that it was foul play, is because she was a woman and it's a longer distance and it's just a different type of area than, uh, you know, where Tom Brown's vehicle was found and where his remains were found at 30% of them. In contrast to her truck being out in the middle of nowhere at this Hogsback Lake and everything else. So, but I have to admit that in knowing what I knew about Madison's disappearance, I really thought that she didn't think that foul play was involved. But the way this story was written right here on May 28th, 29th of 2023, reading between the lines, I guess there is a much better possibility of foul play than I could have ever suspected. Now I, I really, I realized that, um, you know, a lot of people maybe since day one thought it was uh, foul play. I, I have not been one of those people. So let's read what everybody is uh, saying here. Um, no. Um, yeah, uh, Shri is saying she was on Disappeared, but Kathy is saying she wasn't. I really can't. Re- I can't remember one way or the other. Um, Rockford says, no wonder whether the 12 year anniversary discovery is coincidence or something else. Rockford, I, you know, I, it's, I don't know. Um, it it very at this point, Rockford, it very well could be that somebody finally grew a conscience and just decided to do it given that the anniversary is coming up. I, I don't know. Uh, Marty says, what a shame, Shri. I saw a mainstream documentary on it too, and I would guess it was disappeared. Kathy, I will look this up for the live show since I can't. Uh, that's that's fine, Kathy. Uh, Velvta. Marshall Iwasa's disappearance is another Canadian mystery that is well covered online that uh, does not uh, ring a bell, Velvta. I will have to look that up, have to put it on my list of things to do. That name is not familiar to me. Thank you. Mason, I always thought Maddie left at the end of the night with a guy. Well, given the way this story has been written, Mason, you very well may be right. Sheree says, the doc on YouTube is called The Disappearance of Madison Scott. It was also on a 48 Hours episode. Nah, sorry for the disappeared information. Yeah, uh, in fact, I would almost guess that it's been on 48 Hours more than once. If If Unfound has been on 48 Hours more than once, then probably Madison Scott's disappearance has been on there more than once. Sheree, Velft, I would love for Unfound to cover. Yeah, Sheree, you will have to... um, uh, Sheree, if you have uh, a link to something, just send it to me regarding uh, Marshall's disappearance, and I will take a look at it because I may forget. Kathy, yeah, okay, I've seen lots of 48 Hours, but not all of them. Uh, Rockford, thanks for solving that mystery, Sheree. I was with Ed and leaning toward the not foul play. It seemed like a lot of campers who knew each other, but not Madison. That doesn't scream trouble, but you never know. Marty, I'm going to have to find that documentary. Please do, Marty. Now, I will tell you, if you're wondering, well, Ed, if you knew about it, why didn't you cover it as an Unfound episode? If you knew about this well before Unfound ever got started, and we know that you have certainly covered some disappearances that you've known about, like Joe DeHoos and Truths, I've known about hers since like 
you know, from pretty much when she went missing in 1995 and finally got to cover it as an, an unfound episode in 2019 or 2020. Uh, and some others like Teresa Butler's was also one that one that I knew about known for about known about for a while. Why didn't you cover Madison Scott's? Well, I will tell you, and now I don't mind uh, talking about it as freely. Um, I did have a talk with Madison's mother. Uh, I remember where I was. I it's been so long ago. It was when I lived in my old place in Madeira Beach. It's kind of like thinking back to the first time I started talking to Trisha Brucker about her son, Sean's disappearance, Sean Dickerson, kind of the same thing. And, you know, I don't know. The, the conversation just with uh, Madison's mother just did not go very smoothly. Uh, I think that she just didn't think that appearing on Unfound and, and talking about Madison's disappearance was going to be that helpful to be honest. And um, unfortunately, I was really let down about that. Um, those conversations happen once in a while where somebody agrees to talk and then, you know, we have a conversation and maybe things don't go the way uh, as positively as I would like. As you know, most of the time they do go positively but sometimes they don't, <laughs> as we also know happened uh, like within the last three weeks with something else that went on. Um, but most of the time they go positively, uh, but this one didn't. Um, you know, I, that's all I really – but uh, I did my best in talking to Madison's mother, but uh, – and of course the thing that of course gets to me because I am a reporter – it turned out after that, although she, I don't know if she ever appeared on any podcasts after I spoke to her. Let's just call it 2018. She has done several interviews since. Maybe not on a podcast, but uh, for other things. And so, you know, I can't help but be, you know, let down by that. Now, I will tell you in looking at my notes that I do have uh, from back then. I did look at them today. One of the things that always caught my eye, and I never did have a chance to talk to ask Madison's mother about it because I would have loved to have heard what she would have said. But something that's kind of forgotten in this disappearance is that the very next day, Madison's younger sister was at that same location. So... The way I remember it is that Madison went up there on a Friday night, something like that. And then her younger sister ended up going up there with a different group the very next day. And this younger sister saw Madison's truck, saw Madison's tent. But my understanding is the sister didn't do anything. And it wasn't until Sunday, Sunday evening that people started to realize that Madison wasn't around, even though her sister had noticed the truck there, but didn't see Madison anywhere. Didn't the tents there, but it had been like put down. It wasn't propped up anymore. It's like somebody took it apart. It was just lying there on the ground. And my understanding is the sister didn't do anything. So 
even though, like I said, uh, I have to admit that for pretty much I was thinking that Madison just went off by herself. Being that I knew that piece of information, I was thinking, could it be that the sister knew that Madison went off with a guy and just didn't want to say anything? This has always been the, the, the forefront of my mind has been Madison went off by herself. But in the back of my mind, knowing that piece of information, I've always been thinking, I think that sister maybe knows a little bit more than, than what has been revealed out there. So I don't know if some of you who know Madison Scott's disappearance, you remember that piece of information, but it, my impression is that's like that one piece of information that gets lost in, you know, in the truck, in the tent, in the friend who, in the, the guy who deserted her there, and did she go with them and everything else. It all, the part that her sister ended up in the same location the next day, but didn't alert anybody that, you know, she didn't see her sister there, even though the sister's truck and, and tent are there has always caught my attention and it still catches my attention. So um, let me uh, see here. I'm going to have to find out. Bowling says, what was your driving force to unfound persons? Did you have a personal experience that impacted you? I'll get to that. I'll gladly answer that question bowling before we were done tonight, but I'm kind of on a roll here with the, the Madison Scott, but don't let me forget to answer that. Now I will say that, um, I went to Web Sleuth, and although there's not really any new information there, um, there was somebody who posted on there, if you can believe it. It's certainly, of course, Web Sleuth is certainly be more believable than Reddit. But sometimes, you know, as much as, of course, Trisha was a Griffith was a, a guest a few months ago, sometimes things slip through. Um, it seems that this, where her remains were, were on private property and it seems that they were discovered by accident. That's the impression that one of the posters gave, maybe it's somebody from that area of somebody from Canada kind of gave that impression, but that's not official news. That's not from official source. So I don't know, but this is a, a bit of a shocker. Um, I, I certainly never forgot about Madison Scott. I run across her name once in a while, reading things. I have my notes that I took back in 2018 when I was studying up to talk to her mother. And, um, but I could not have suspected or expected or predicted that this would be, um, the way that was get result would get resolved at least part of it maybe foul play we haven't gotten into that yet but um, the remains would be found so close back to Vanderhoof that is going to be a big question and it would I guess on its surface mean that yes she did get picked up by somebody yes she did get in a car or a vehicle some type of vehicle with somebody who was there who said hey do you want to ride back to town or something and something bad. That is total, total, total conjecture. But she got back to the Vanderhoof area somehow. So there you go. Mason, her sister bugged me too. It's weird. She was never interviewed on that anywhere. There you go, Mason. So you caught that too. Good for you, Mason. That You caught that within all of the information that's been out there. Uh, that's really something you're really paying attention to the details very, very well. Good for you. It bugged me too.
Rockford, I remember the detail about the sister. I chalked that up to being an isolated community where kids were congregating a few places and it wouldn't be unusual to see her car as everyone was there. That's true, Rockford, but the sister was there the whole day, saw Madison's truck there. It was parked there, you know, for everybody to see, and she doesn't see her sister all day, and she doesn't think that's weird. You know, I would think that's weird. You know, and you know, my siblings are in their 70s now. <laughs> you know, if I show up somewhere and I see my brother's uh, truck, you know, at some park, and I'm walking through the park and I don't see him, that's weird. Whether it's over here at Taylor Park and up here at Sand Key Park or something, you know, uh, I'm going to start wondering, you know, and in addition, I'm going to maybe call him. Hey, where are you, man? I'm here. Doesn't seem that sister did that. And we know that Madison had her phone. Now, what kind of reception do you get out there at Augsback Lake? I'm guessing probably not too good, but still. Sheree, I saw the same thing. Locals are saying it was an accident, but just rumor has it at this point since only bots seem to be writing news articles this day. Yeah, don't get me started, Sheree. I think she left the camp area willing and then foul play. I would not be shocked to hear her friend Jordy has some relevant information that's going back to the 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 female friend and boyfriend who were there and then they decided they didn't want to uh, stick around and there was uh, you know um what i also remember about that Cherie is you know even when the friend and the guy were talked to they didn't speak about madison in, in the nicest of ways uh, i don't that was also something velta her remains are probably skeletal and cause of death will be difficult to determine 12 years, a long time. Velva, all true. It's all true. And it, it very well may be. And uh, Velva, what we have to hope for is that two things. One, either one of two things or both, hopefully both. But one, it was on personal property and they can start narrowing down who would have had access to that property and who was also at the Hogsback Lake? You know, can they do that? That might be very, very helpful. Is there a connection between the people who are at Hogsback Lake and if this was private property? Of course, the other thing, as we ran into with Velta, if you remember, with uh, Janelle Matthews, is that, yes, her, hers were skeletal remains after 25 years, but there was an obvious cause of death, and that was the bullet hole in her head. So maybe, of course, you know, it's morbid to talk about these things, but Madison's dead now. So, um, you know, we actually hope that there are signs of an obvious cause of death that we have to we have to hope for that. Now, as long as she was missing, we hope that she's alive when the remains are found. Then you start hoping that there was an obvious cause of death, because if there's not then you get something like what's happened with the Tom Brown disappearance for the last three years, uh, you know, after his remains were found. Sheree, there must have been some identifying info because how quickly she was identified, like her keys. Yeah, something like that, Sheree. Yeah, also, she was buried. She didn't do it herself. Good point. All right, so Madison Scott, uh, I'm hoping that maybe a week from now, there'll be more information to talk about regarding all of this. And if there are news stories with more information, I will of course be posting them in the discussion group on Facebook or on, uh, and also on the Facebook page. So keep your eyes peeled 
in both locations. Maybe I'll do some posting on Twitter as well. So Madison Scott, um, just uh, unpredictable. Um, but as I, as we always say, when these things happen, bittersweet. Um, the family gets what it wants, but at the same time doesn't get what it wants. So uh, we'll just have to see. I, I just really can't believe that, you know, she walked back that whole way or she hitchhiked. I mean, she had the truck there. I mean, was there something wrong with the truck? Would it not start? I haven't heard anything like that. Of course, it wouldn't be out of gas if she parked it there at Hogsback Lake. You know, this um, maybe this is something for some of you who know uh, this murder, the murder of Morgan Harrington, where she was went to that Metallica concert and then somehow ended up on the outside and they wouldn't allow her back in. And then she's just walking around what was the Virginia Tech campus where the concert was and she got picked up. She decided to get into the wrong car with the wrong guy. She might have even been forced, but I think this guy's modus operandi was that he was like pretending to be, uh, you know, a, a driver or taxi driver. And maybe that's even when Uber and Lyft was starting to get started and she just got into the car with the wrong guy. So I suppose we have to be open to that idea with, um, Madison and what would have maybe made that um, more likely was that Madison, after her friend and the boyfriend left, Madison's there by herself. That doesn't help things. You know, that makes it uh, much easier for a predator to be a predator. Kathy says, Jesse Matthew uh, was a taxi driver. Um you will have to remind me who Jesse Matthew is, Kathy. All right, moving on to other things. Like I said, uh, my guess is uh, in the upcoming days and weeks, there's going to probably be a lot of Madison Scott coverage, given how much um, th that was the name. Uh, that was the name of the guy, Morgan Harrington. Thank you. I wasn't sure what it was. Um, yeah, it was a taxi driver. That's right, Kathy. Thank you. Okay. So, given how well-known Madison's disappearance uh, is I, I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of, lot of, lot of coverage. And of course we'll see a lot of it in the United States. Uh, Jasmine saying, and Hannah Graham, uh, maybe she was a guy who went on a beer room and Hannah Graham. That's another one that does not ring a bell Jasmine. So moving on. Uh, speaking of um, kind of going in, the same direction, but kind of the opposite direction. Um, you know, a disappearance that was solved, but actually had uh, a unhappy ending. I, I've already talked about this, but I want to do a little follow-up. Of course, back in January or February, we covered the disappearance of Brandon Roberts. And as it happened, if you didn't know this, may, maybe three weeks after the episode came out, Brandon Roberts was found alive and he uh, had been burned somehow. I still don't have the details, but he was in the hospital for quite a long time. Well, his mother uh, texted me, was it yesterday or today? 
And Brandon Roberts is now home. And um, he is now home. Now, whether that means somewhere in Oregon or that, you remember his mother was from Ohio. Uh, whether that means in Oregon or Ohio, I'm not sure. And you should know how I handle these things. I never want to come across as if I'm prying from information. I am a reporter. Information is my business. But I never want to give any of my guests the idea that I'm just pumping them for information. Okay. Uh, You know, there has to be a a time and a place to talk about these things. And even when she was the one who told me, you know, Brandon's been found and he's alive, you know, I just don't want to jump into, you know, firing a hundred questions at her. Well, what happened? You know, it's just not appropriate. And I still kind of feel that way a little bit uh, for now. But I thought you'd all want to know that Brandon is out of the hospital. He's alive. And now uh, he's finally at home. But where home is, I'm not sure. Now, given that he had burned, uh, my understanding got burned quite a bit. Um, so, and we know a lot of times burn... Scars and things don't heal, and we know that when you get burned like that, that it, it over the if even you know you're going to live and your mind's fine and everything, you become more susceptible to disease and viruses and everything because our skin does quite a bit to fight off that stuff. And when it gets weakened, you know these you know you're the rest of your body then suffers. So I, I'm guessing he's going to have to really watch out for all of that now. And of course, knowing that. He fought addiction and everything. I'm hoping that this gives him a new lease on life where, uh, you know, I, of course, hope he lives, you know, to be 150 and that, you know, he can stay away from those things. Um, To remind all of you, this was the disappearance in Portland, Oregon, where somebody else somehow ended up with his phone. And if you're wondering... um, if I've thought about actually talking to him and maybe doing a, you know, a recorded interview with him, if he feels like it, uh, uh, talking about where he was all that time, I'm going to attempt to do that at some point. I, I don't know if it's appropriate to ask it right now, but I would love uh, for that to be a first where we actually have a person who we covered on Unfound who was missing, who was found alive. And then that person then gets interviewed for an episode to talk about what went on. You know, what was it? You're out there. You're missing. Your family's looking for you. There's stories being written about it. There's a podcast being done about you. And you're out there somewhere. Did you know these things were going on and everything? So many questions uh, that I hope one of these days to be able to ask Uh, Brandon, you know, if we can make that happen, I think that would give us so much insight into disappearances like Brandon's people, whether they're addicts, uh, homeless on the fringe of society, struggling with maybe mental health issues and everything. Now that one of them has been found alive and everything, maybe we can start to learn a little bit more about this and maybe have some better insight into disappearances that we've covered on the phone like Brandon's. 
Uh, Shree says, cooler in the truck was filled with beer going back to Madison. Scott, Jesse Matthew also killed Hannah Graham. Okay, thank you. Uh, Twinkle, I hope Brandon turns his life around. Kathy, you hope that Brandon can go into drug recovery. Twinkle, he's going to have to take a lot of drugs for his burns. That may make it difficult for him with his tendencies to addiction. Yeah. Just hope he's getting the proper care. I think one of the most important things is who's going to be supervising him and he's going to have the right people around him to keep him on the right path and they're going to have to be vigilant on that. Of course, we hope that he learns these lessons all by himself, but I don't I don't know what the odds are of that. Um, we know, of course, very f- famous people who got themselves into a lot of trouble, were addictions, in and out of jail and everything, and then managed to straighten themselves out. Like the the person I always think of is Robert, Robert Downey Jr. I mean, if you had said in 1998 <laughs> that Robert Downey Jr., given what he did during the course of the 90s, if you would have said in 19, if somebody would have told you, you know what, in 25 years, in 2023, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be like one of the biggest movie stars, was in this huge movie franchise that made billions of dollars, and he was like the star of the whole thing, and not to ruin it for Randy, but went out in his last movie like in the greatest way ever. And is married and has another child and is doing all these things and he's sober and he's funny. And if you did, somebody would have told you that in 1998, they would have said, what are you smoking? What drugs are you doing? But here we are in 2023. And of course, Robert Downey Jr. just finished a documentary that's on Netflix about his father who's now deceased. You know, these things happen, but they're rare. Um... So we can only hope that Brandon Roberts uh, could maybe do the same thing. Kathy says the main thing a recovering addict must do is cut off all his drug friends. Yeah, girlfriends, et cetera. Well, we'll see if Brandon can do that. Um, So there you go. So Brandon Roberts, that's actually the second um, missing person that we've covered on unfound who was found alive and to remind you of uh, who the first one was and it was also uh very very not not predictable at all but um where is it i hate it when i can't uh, where is it? Uh, where is he? 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 I have him. Uh, there you go. Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed, if you don't know, not the golfer, um, was also found alive. So he's out there somewhere, uh, has, was uh, eventually uh, determined. All right, moving on to another thing. I want to talk about this story. Uh, actually happened kind of close to where I grew up in Pennsylvania. This has to do with this woman who, uh, you know, faked her own abduction. A Jeanette woman, and you should know, I've been to, you know, back in the day, I went to Jeanette quite a bit. There was always this huge car show over there that I used to go to on Saturday evenings. And then everybody would go and do illegal drag racing after. I would never do that. 
A Jeanette woman accused by police of faking her own abduction could enter a probationary program that includes the possibility of paying nearly $11,500 in restitution for costs related to the massive hour-long search for her. Chloe Stein, 23 years old, waived a right to a preliminary hearing Thursday after attorneys negotiated a tentative agreement. It was a very difficult and tumultuous situation. I'm glad that we have some resolve for this situation, her attorney, Phil DeLacente, said. Stein did not comment. Stein was arrested on May 2nd of 2023 after troopers said she hid for about 20 hours in her family's detached garage while her loved ones and police searched after her car when it was found abandoned on a desolate stretch of a Hempfield Road. Hempfield is another town near Jeanette. She showed up at a neighbor's house around 7.30 p.m. on May 2nd and claimed to have been abducted, but troopers said Stein later admitted to faking her own disappearance. She is free on $25,000 unsecured bail on misdemeanor charges of false alarm, false reports, obstruction, and disorderly conduct. Trooper Tristan Tappy said county entities and state police, whoops. State police examined the amount of resources expended in the search to determine the restitution figure. Troopers and local police were assisted by firefighters, dogs, and a state police helicopter in combing a wooded area near Radabaugh Road. Social media posts seeking information on signs whereabouts were shared widely causing concern for community members, family, and friends. We were experiencing severe inclement weather that day, Tappy said. At the time, that helicopter should not have been flown in the air. And we had a corporal from the aviation unit without hesitation went up in the air searching for her. It just goes to show the community and the resource exhausted. We would do it again. Police said Stein was last seen leaving the Sonic restaurant off Route 30 in Helmfield, where she worked. About 10.30 p.m. May 1st, about 10 minutes later, authorities said Stein sent a message to her boyfriend that indicated she believed she was being pulled over after turning onto Radabaugh Road from North Greengate Road in the direction of her home. I know where this area is. Her boyfriend and companions found the Volkswagen Beetle abandoned along Radabaugh Road underneath the bridge carrying toll Route 266 about a mile from the Sonic restaurant. Her cell phone was inside. After family and friends exhausted all resources to try to find her, they reported, reported Stein missing on the afternoon of May 2nd. By the time she surfed at, surfed at the, surfaced at the neighbor's home several hours later, troopers said they were becoming suspicious of the situation after learning Stein had indicated to family that she was about to graduate college. Penn State officials told investigators she hadn't been a student there for at least a year. Tappy said the search shows that local agencies will work together to protect lives of those in the community. Although somewhat devastating, a lot of people were led on. A lot of people were lied to, not just law enforcement resources, but the community, she said. De La Sente thanked prosecutors for the tentative agreement. If it is approved by a judge, Stein would enter the Accelerated Rehabilitative Disposition Program there was ever a bureaucracy title, there's one. For first-time nonviolent offenders, she may apply to have her record expunged if she successfully completes a probation term. De La Sente called her a kind of delightful young lady. Of course, a liar said that. We're trying to put this in her past. She's going to have a very bright future, her lawyer said.
Well, let's hope so. My impression of this is this is common. I mean, not to the not as common as you know a lot of different types of disappearances, but it does seem this type of time of year, this April, May, June time of year when of course semesters are ending, years of score ending. Uh, semesters of college are ending that you get one of these stories every year where somebody in college is claiming to be going to college, but really they haven't been going to college for quite a while and something happens. And unfortunately, sometimes it does end up with these young people committing suicide. They can't come to admit that they had dropped out or they failed out or they flunked out or whatever and they don't have a heart to tell their family and friends, so they've been faking it the whole time. Um, but then there are some situations like this where they create a story as to what happened. It seems it just seems like this every year, this time of year. Now, this is maybe more a little bit of an extreme example, but this is the time of year for this type of story. Uh, in my, and I have to believe my impression is there are a lot of young people doing this who are out on their own. They're not living at home. Parents giving them a hard time. Well, you got to go back to school. You got to do this. And then they finally just give in say, okay, I'm doing it. And they're not really doing it. And then once you do that though, the lie has to be continued and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, and, um, in retrospect, of course, she shouldn't have lied at all. Of course. But the problem was that she said it was Penn State. What she should have done is just said it was some you know, small community college, and there are many schools like that in Pennsylvania. She should have said that. I'm going to a community college. I'm just taking a, you know, a couple classes a semester and not do it. In contrast to saying she was going to Penn State. Big mistake. Big mistake. Of course, she shouldn't have lied in the first place. But like I said, I think of a lot of people lying about a lot of things. Of course, maybe all of you think of Craig Freer, who had been lying to his family about going, having that job. He had the job, and then for some reason he quit that job, which is still a, a point of contention. A lot of people are suspicious about that. And then his family figured out finally that he didn't have that job at that grocery store. And right on the same day that they figured that out, he goes missing. I don't think that's a coincidence. A lot of people then go toward, well, there was some sort of foul play. Did his father do something or anything? I don't necessarily lean in that direction, but surely him lying about having the job and then him getting caught lying and going missing, missing and everything, they're all connected somehow. Just as in the situation with this young woman, her creating the story about being abducted was certainly connected to her lying about going to school. So, um, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to be happy about how she's going to be sentenced and everything. You know, what are you going to do? So throw somebody in jail for 10 years for doing this? Of course not. Um, but what I might add to this is maybe she should be mandated to go meet up with some missing persons families of people who actually really, really did go missing uh, for her to understand, uh, you know, she shouldn't have had that in her head in the first place of doing something like this. 
That's what I might add to all of this on top of paying for all the work that was done to try to find her. Her having to go meet up with some families in Western Pennsylvania who have loved ones who are missing. And this is what, you know, this is what's real. Don't do that. Just an idea. Um, Kiermoth, what's going on? Good to see you, uh, Kiermoth. Uh, first time chatting in here tonight. Why have I heard of a false kidnapping disappearance that had a similar story like this? Um, Sherry Papini maybe comes to a lot of people's minds, maybe the, the most well-known one in the United States anyway. Twinkle, that's criminal just abandoning a beetle by the side of the road. Oh, Twinkle, we got a Volkswagen Beetle fan here, Twinkle. Uh, Kierno, yeah, I remember this happening sometimes where they stage a kidnapping disappearance to dodge something very trivial to hide an affair or something like that. Yeah, it's, yeah. You're right. Um, you know, for Sherry Papini, I think it was just that uh, the way I look at it now is that she just didn't want to be married and have kids for a while. That's why she went and found this old boyfriend of hers and went and stayed at his, at his place for and then decided, oh, you know what? I got to go back to civilization. I think she just wanted to, to pretend to be a single woman again with Sherry Papini. Uh, yeah, agreed. That would be great for community service. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sheree, no different than Sherry. You go, Sherry Papini, two great minds think of luxury. Sherry just got away for, for longer. Uh, Twinkle says uh, she drove a, um, a, a beetle in college. Now, did you really go to college? You didn't lie to everybody about it, right, Twinkle? Deborah, yeah, so did Ted Bundy. Drove a beetle. That's right. Thank you for including that. Deborah, Kierna, that's a very extreme case where the parents found out the son wasn't going to school and to cover it up, he murdered them. What was the name again? Uh, Chandler Hardison also claimed his uh, his parents went missing because he didn't go to college but killed them. So, yeah, Chan, yeah, Chandler Hardison. I that name does sound uh, familiar. Twinkle, no, I was a career student. Where are you now, Twinkle? That's funny. All right. I'm going to go back up here and answer this question. I didn't forget you, Bowling. Where are you, Bowling? I hope you're still uh, watching and or listening. There you go. Bowling with cotton balls. That, doesn't, that wouldn't seem to be a very um, – I don't know. Cotton balls probably don't roll too far. But Bowling asked me, what was your driving force to unfound persons? Did you have a personal experience that impacted you? Uh, second part first, no. No personal experience, Bowling. Um, none, nobody in my family has ever gone missing. Nobody in my family is missing. Uh, none of my friends have gone missing or, or anything like that. Um, although I have had a few friends who have committed suicide over the years. Um, so the personal experience, nothing, but as far as the first part, I don't know, bowling. I I've just been always, weirdly or unusually fascinated with them going back to when I was a kid. I, I don't, I don't necessarily know why that is. I realize that a lot of people, um, become interested in them, maybe not as early as I did, but I can remember even before I was 10 years old. Um, you know, I often, you know, every interview if people, you know, ask me, uh, about in search of, you know, that was the first kind of show it was on like Saturday. It was like, you know, cartoons in the morning, like the Super Friends or whatever. 
And then in the afternoon, there'd be like a Godzilla movie or something when I was a kid. That was like the programming back then. But in all of that would be the show In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. And I just became fascinated because it talked about like the Nazca lines and Atlantis and UFOs and, you know, all, you know, all these different things. And somehow within all that, and then one of the things was the disappearance of Amelia Earhart. And it just kind of started there. It just, there's just something that kind of pinged into my mind for some reason. And it's been like that ever since. Um, it's just the way the mind, my mind works. So, you know, um, you know, every person's brain is unique. Every person, you know, latches on to something in his or her life that fascinates them and interests them. And they may not end up doing it for a job or anything, but it's a hobby or an interest. It could be anything. It could be drawing. It could be music. It could be basket weaving, uh, you know, or, or, or whatever. For me, um, although there's a couple other things, you know, airplane crashes are still one of my things too. But disappearances, they've always been bebopping, bouncing around. Uh, in my mind. And uh, as I've said many times, um, my mind just seems to go well with them. I'm a good organizer of information. Don't ask me to organize people. But when it comes to organizing complex information, I'm really good at that. I'm also good at looking at a bunch of information and quickly seeing like the contradictions and the holes and things like that. My mind's just good at that. Whereas my mind is not as good managing people and understanding, for example, understanding card games. Besides like Texas Hold'em, don't try to explain to me any other card game that's out there. I don't get it. For some reason, Texas Hold'em, I can relate to maybe it's because it's a very simple game. Everything else, like I can play solitaire, but like other poker games or hearts or 500, don't, you know, my mind is just, you know, I have an IQ of like two. Whereas with disappearances, it's the exact opposite. And I realize a lot of people, you know, it's just our unique minds. Um, I'm here. There you go. Uh, my apologies. I wasn't trying to dear Russia. No, absolutely. We take always take questions from the audience, Bowling. No, no apology needed. I just needed to find a time to slip it in. Kiernoff, Unsolved Mysteries was what brought me back in the 90s. You know, I, I watched that show... Uh, and I, I, you know, it certainly had a bit of an impression on me, Kiernoth, but I will tell you that I watched a lot, but I wouldn't say it was must-see TV. Um, I remember In Search of I Feel Old Now, Bowling. <laughs> if you remember In Search of when it was originally on TV, then yes, we're probably, you're probably getting into at least your 50s there, Bowling. Mayday Air Crash Investigation, one of the best shows that got me to get over my fear of flying in airplanes. You know, they, they have that on uh, Paramount Plus. You're not, not every season, but a lot of them, if you have Paramount Plus. Puma, I've been a crime junkie since I was a teen. My mom let me skip school a couple times to attend a murder trial while in high school. Wow. What murder trial, Puma? I think all of us need to know now. Uh, she likes that coffee. What's going on? Coffee just got here. Okay. Well, we got uh, like a half hour left coffee. Thanks for tuning in.
All right. Uh, moving on. What do I want to talk about here? I just did that. Let's talk about this swindler. And uh, hey, the real, we're going to be going to Australia for this one. More than two years after the rotting foot of an alleged swindler washed ashore on an Australian beach, and certainly the real, if you're still watching, it's certainly like uh, your insights into this being that this is uh, your part of the world, please. A coroner has delivered her findings in a case that has long captivated the country. New South Wales Deputy State Coroner Elizabeth Ryan found Thursday that despite fanciful theories that self-declared financial consultant Melissa Caddick may have evaded authorities by faking her own death, the evidence suggests that she is indeed dead. Perhaps the most persuasive evidence that Ms. Caddick is deceased is the fact that she has not made any contact with her son, Ryan said. Deeply attached to him as she was, it seems to me most likely that she would not have reached out to him in some way were she still alive. However, Ryan was unable to say how and why Caddick died, leaving questions in a mystery that inspired a hit podcast, that's news to me, and TV dramatization along with hours of speculation by amateur sleuths. Were you involved in some of those hours of speculation in the reel? Ryan said it was possible Caddick fell from the cliffs near her home into the sea with the intention of taking her own life, having seen it was the only way out of the personal and professional catastrophe which overtook her. What is known as the Caddick worked hard at the illusion of financial success. She was well-dressed in high-end luxury brands and jewelry, lived in a spacious suburban home, and went on overseas holidays, created an image clearly integral to the confidence which Miss Caddick inspired in her clients, the coroner found. If you want my personal opinion, a lot of people are doing this today. With the internet and everything on Instagram and influence, a lot of people are faking their wealth. Faking it. Be very careful of that. But in the months leading up to November 2020, a carefully crafted image began to unravel as police investigated her for financial fraud. According to the coroner's findings, Caddick used a fraudulent investment scheme to cheat her family and friends out of huge sums of money, 13 to $19 million U.S., 20 to $30 million Australian, to fund her very expensive lifestyle. Ms. Caddick's clients were shocked and felt a profound sense of betrayal when they discovered that the money they invested with her had gone. For many, their losses represented all the money they had saved for their retirement or for their child's education. The financial and emotional harm they have suffered will reverberate for many years to come. Caddick likely knew her business dealings were about to be exposed when police and the corporate regulator raided her suburban Sydney home on November 11, 2020. Australia's financial watchdog had been tipped off that she had been using a friend's financial advisor's license and that Caddick had faked her documents to run the alleged con operation. As police closed in, Caddick disappeared, leading to months of speculation that she had fled the country, was hiding, or was dead. The case took a gruesome turn in February 2021 with the discovery of a decomposing foot inside a sports shoe on Bordenda Beach, 500 kilometers south of Sydney. Forensic experts matched the body part to Caddick using DNA tests, but an autopsy couldn't determine if it was deliberately severed or separated through decomposition. Now, what occurs to me is some years ago, up here in the up in the northwest of the United States, they had this similar thing going on where shoes were washing ashore with feet inside them. The coroner's findings, though uncertain about the circumstances of Caddick's death, contained scathing comments 
about Caddick's husband, Anthony Coletti, a hairdresser and part-time DJ. That should have been the first tip-off not to give this woman any money, being that her husband was a heart, a hairdresser and part-time DJ. That should have been a huge tip-off. He only reported her disappearance to police 30 hours after his wife went missing. Coletti frequently contradicted himself as to when he last saw his wife following the police raid and told police officers he was too busy with work to go to the station to give further information, too busy being a hairdresser and DJ. He appeared strangely unperturbed about his wife's disappearance. She added that the lack of reliable information made it difficult for police to conduct a search as they were unable to identify time and place to start looking. At the inquest, Coletti denied withholding information from police or the court. He said he most definitely did not help his wife to disappear, delay reporting her absence to give her time to vanish, according to court documents. Uh, And I have in my notes... uh, uh, as I have already stated, so many people pick, faking it these days. My impression, and, and uh, you know, this should be, um, you know, a public service announcement for all of you that there are a lot of people faking it out there, especially when it comes to investing and and everything else. Um, a lot of uh, miniature. Um, what was the guy's name with the Ponzi scheme in New York that uh, I can't think of uh, his name right now off the top of my head. I know somebody's going to type it in there, but there are a lot of people doing that. You know, if you have money and you're investing in everything else, you need to stick to reputable, reputable investment firms that have been around for years and years and years or do it yourself. If you, you know, if you can learn it and, you know, and keep your money in 401ks and everything else, you got to really, really, really watch out for that because it's just too easy these days. It's just way too easy for people to fake, you know, it, you know, with once again, with Instagram and TikTok. And having a Facebook page and all this. Look at me. I'm standing beside this Ferrari. Look at me. I'm standing in front of this mansion. Look at me. You know, it's so easy to do that. And too many people get caught up in this, you know, um, and get rich quick schemes and trusting the wrong people and don't do business with friends and all those, you know, you have to keep that all in mind. A lot of Melissa Caddicks out there and not just in Australia. Uh, we all know this one. The Real said, Puma says, small town, two boys from the city came to my farm town, stole a farmer's truck, and went on a murder spree in the area. Gilbert and Roe were their names back in the 1990s. Okay, everybody's going to look that up. Everybody look up Puma Jane's uh, The Murder Story, in which she got to uh, mother let her not go to school so they could go watch this trial. Look that up. Uh, Gilbert and Roe murderers in the 1990s. Kiernaw said Facebook is one of the worst places for it. Uh, Ponzi scheme. Yeah. The real, and she kept her gold and silver jewelry entirely separate, which is just good sense. Really nicely done. Real boom. It was a big thing. Nothing like that happened in the area. Kiernaw, a foot in the shoe call missing four one one. Oh, um, don't get us started on that. Kiernaw. Don't get me started on uh, my friend David Polides. Don't do it. 
Wait, how that wait, how was that a tip off? The real our prime minister was a DJ before he was our prime minister. You crazy Australians. The real. He was a DJ. Oh my goodness. What kind of music? Was he like a DJ at weddings or was he like one of these EDM, you know, where everybody's showing up on ecstasy kind of DJs? What kind of DJ was um your your uh, I need to know? Uh, or, or was he just playing golden oldies? Bernie Madoff, thank you, Karen. Bernie Madoff is who I was thinking of. Shree Murdaugh in South Carolina most recently. His whole career was a pun. This game, there's another good one. Thank you, Sheree Velta. The shoe protects the foot from decomposition. That makes it float upper separation from the leg. It sounds like Velta uh, has actually studied this, which I find to be fascinating. I can't remember... Um, here in the United States, right up, like I said, up in the uh, Puget Sound area, uh, the sh- the, on the shores of the states of Washington and Oregon, there's feeded, washed up. I don't even remember what the resolution was to that. I can't remember if they actually did determine, um, who, you know, through DNA who some of these people were. Were these boating accidents? Was it somebody who was murdered that was thrown into the water? Maybe some of you remember some of that. I just I just know that it was happening at one time. It it just seemed like it happened all like at this one very short span of time, and then I haven't heard anything since. I think maybe those Friday night, Saturday night type of venues would have been fairly young himself at the time, I think. All right, so he he knew how to get down, I guess, that we were saying the real. Okay. I guess that's what you're saying. Uh, the real being that you are, uh, our Australia representative, if anybody else is from Australia in here, please speak up, of course. But um, what, what has been your impression on this? Did you think that she took off? Did you think that she committed suicide? And an Australian, of course, probably got a lot of coverage um, down there. What were your impressions? What were, what were, were the Aussies um, saying about that? Uh, down there. What was everybody's impression? If you could pass that along to all of us, that might be helpful. Now you should know that, you know, if we think that she did uh, commit suicide going off this cliff, you know, we have had some disappearances on Unfound where people disappeared uh, next to large bodies of water. And of course the remains were never found. Two that comes to mind. J.R. Mollahan, whose truck was found. Of course, he was from Virginia, but his truck was eventually found on the beach uh, in North Carolina. His uh, wife uh, was the guest going back, uh, I think, maybe to 2018. And then, of course, Tiffany Daniels, uh, a fairly well-known disappearance here in the United States. She went missing from up in the panhandle. Her vehicle, some type of SUV, was found in a parking lot right there next to the Gulf of Mexico. In fact, uh, looking at her, uh, her vehicle would have been kind of in that direction because uh, the Gulf is right over there, kind of like up going in that direction. If you were to go straight that way, go up there to the Panhandle of Florida. And there are some people believe that she went into the water for some reason. You know, her remains were found. So why was it that Melissa Caddick's foot ended up washing up, but there have never been any remains of J.R. Mollahan and Tiffany Daniels if they went into the water. Something that uh, we think about, and maybe we might even think about that 
um, with Sean Dickerson. Same thing. Uh, you know, if you went into the water, why was nothing of ever found? Jake Lachelet, certainly Shree, but I, I'm um, trying to stay away from rivers. I'm talking like, you know, Jake Lachelet would have been the Mississippi River. I'm talking like large bodies of water, like lakes or something. J.R. Malahan, Atlantic Ocean, Tiffany Daniels, because we know, I think for rivers, you know, with a river, somebody's going to get swept away. Whereas when it's a large body of water, they have currents. But of course, of course, currents don't really move as fast as rivers do. So that's why I was trying to draw the comparison between that and Melissa Caddick uh, going into the water at Australia. That's um, there you go. Yeah, I knew you were talking about the real. Well, I did definitely think she was deceased. Not that she was still out there somewhere. Dad thinks she cut off her phone foot to take her death and is living it up in a non-extradition country. That would be pretty hardcore if she did that. But maybe. Uh, We know that story of that hiker who here in the United States somewhere got trapped. His arm was trapped, and he cut his arm off to survive, so I guess it's not crazy. Karen, I'm pretty sure that most people thought Kat had committed suicide rather than face the consequences. She stole millions from her family, including her parents or friends. Yeah, as the article said, Karen, yeah. But... You know, somebody that diabolical, is that, you know, we have to think about this. Is that the type of person that commits suicide? Maybe. Bernie Madoff didn't commit suicide. Of course, you know, I'm not even going to get into Jeffrey Epstein. I'm not even touching that. But uh, The Real says, I don't agree with that on that one, Ed. Uh, okay, you don't. All right. So you and your dad differ, two uh, Australians differing on what really happened to Melissa Caddick. Okay. You're welcome, Cherie. Cherie, so many things would have to happen for her to lose a foot and still be alive. Yeah, it was, I mean, you cut off a foot. I mean, that's a lot of blood. Of course, as we know, there are people who have lost a foot or both feet and lived. Uh, of course, given that this is Memorial Day, a lot of military veterans, um, you know, have lost a foot or feet or even their entire legs and lived. But there's certainly different between that, like happening upon a landmine or something in contrast to deciding you're going to cut your foot off. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking like then like 1800s, the year, you know, 1800s surgery where they would, you know, get you drunk with uh, whiskey. They put something between your teeth and then they just start cutting. That's what they did like during the civil war. We have to remember the civil war in the United States. The reason we had so many deaths in the civil war in the United States is because of disease, because of infection and gangrene from the wounds, not necessarily the wounds themselves. We have to remember that. And one of the ways they would stop that is if you had an, uh, you know, uh, you got hit in the arm and it was starting to uh, get infected, boom, your arm's gone. They just cut it right off. So this is kind of also what I think of when you think about, um, you know, uh, taking, um, you know, a foot off just so you don't have to go to jail. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I guess it's a hard pick. Um, you know, if you rip so many people off, 
maybe you have a moment of clarity and say, man, that was so horrible for me. I don't deserve to live. But if you give me a choice between going to jail and cutting my foot off and being without a foot and then living on the lamb and just maybe possibly getting away, I think I'm going to take jail. And even though I've said I'm way too good looking to go to jail, I think I would pick jail. Um, Kiernos says, thank God for anesthesia. True. It's not that strange that someone wouldn't wash up here. Even one of our prime ministers was lost in the ocean. I know about that disappearance and was never seen again. Uh, I know about, in fact, I was just reading something about that. The real coincidentally, I was reading about, I was reading some articles about famous people who went missing and yes, your prime minister uh, was on that list. He went into the ocean and, and never returned, maybe had a heart attack or something. Yeah, I knew that. So mysterious, the real. All right, one more story, and then I need to talk about Friday's episode. Kiernath, I heard about the disappearance as well. He was well-liked. That was Harold Holt. That's right. In the case of Jesse Ross, it's often discussed how odd it was that his body wasn't found. I read some very technical explanations about how it is supposed to work in Lake Michigan. Yeah. Like Gordon Lightfoot said, uh, sometimes the lake doesn't give up her dead. All right, moving on. This was a big story this past week. The sister of the Pennsylvania woman whose mysterious death was possibly linked to University of Idaho murder suspect Brian Kober this week's week says there is no connection between the two cases. Dana Smithers' sister, Stacey Ann Smithers, said it is clear that Koberger, 20 years old, was not tied to the 45-year-old's death in an interview with News Nation on Thursday. So that was this past Thursday. Smithers was last seen leaving a friend's Monroe County home on May 28, 2022, the Pocono record reported. Her remains were found off I-80 in Stroudsburg last month. Earlier this week, news broke that Koberger's parents, Michael and Marianne, who are residents of the area, were called to testify before a grand jury on Smithers' case. Stacy Smithers previously confirmed that online sleuths alerted police to Koberger's connection to the area after he was arrested in the Idaho case in December. She clarified this week, however, there was evidence that the Pennsylvania native who was pursuing a doctorate in criminology at Washington State University, which is still one of the weirdest facts ever, was not in the region at the time of her sister's disappearance. The grieving relative added that she heard before Koberger was arrested the Pennsylvania grand jury had convened to discuss her sister's case and other unsolved offenses. Smithers said the grand jury briefly considered the former high school outcast after he was taken into custody, but dismissed him as a potential suspect. Stacy is a hopeful people will continue to be invested in Dana's case to find out what happened. News nation's Brian Enton concluded Stacy Smithers comments came shortly after the Stroud area regional police department confirmed there's no evidence that Koberger is connected to Smithers' disappearance or death. As of Friday afternoon, it is unclear why the accused parent, Coe's parents were still summoned before the grand jury in the case. Koberger is currently in custody in Lata County, Idaho, where he is awaiting trial for the grisly stabbing deaths of four University of Idaho students on November 13th, 2022. He was arrested on December 30th at his parents' Monroe County home in Pennsylvania, not far from where Smithers lived and was last seen. Koberger was silent and stone-faced in court on Monday, and his lawyer entered a not guilty plea on his behalf. He will be tried on four counts of murder and one of first-degree burglary later this year, 
and faces a maximum penalty of life in prison or capital punishment. Idaho does uh, execute people here in the United States. In a Facebook post announcing the identification of her sister's remains earlier this month, Stacy Smithers described the mom of three as a bright light with a laugh that would stay with all of us forever. A celebration of life in Smithers' honor is scheduled for the near future. Now, you should know, if you've forgotten already, uh, Dana Smithers was covered as an Unfound Now episode um, last year, or maybe, you know, a month or two after she went missing. And I can remember covering it. I don't remember all the necessary specifics and everything. And if you haven't watched that, I would urge you to go back and watch it after this live show is done. But the way I remember it is David Smithers was a woman who had some troubles. That doesn't mean she wasn't murdered, but as I like to think about it, what are the odds that a woman who had all these issues, a lot of things going on or like just with herself, then on top of that is murdered by somebody? It's like, how bad does the bad luck get? Uh, and you should know this is kind of my reasoning um, for the woman whose name escapes me, who went missing in LA and her dog was found on the 28th floor of that, of that high rise. And of course she's still missing. It's kind of the same thing. She had a lot of things going on. She might've had a drug issue. She had had a mental health issue, all these things. And then went on top of all of that, she's murdered. Or as some people is the article that I read, she died at a, a party and everybody covered it up, covered it up. I mean, you know, how complicated do we have to get her? How outrageous do we have to get? So with Dana Smithers, you know, certainly caught people's attention. You know, this is, but you know, um, given that it said it says very early on here, um, you know, about online sleuths, you know, online sleuths try, you know. I, I guess people are always trying to look for things like this, I guess. And to me, my opinion is that this is just people doing this who don't have a very trained eye. Um, you don't even have to know anything about Brian Koberger. But just knowing, like I said, what if you looked at the facts of Dana Smithers' disappearance – and then you looked at Brian Koberger and what everybody believes to be the reason that he killed those four people. And, I, and I'm still convinced he killed those four young people, those four students, because he had an infatuation with one of the girls and he showed up there. You know, she kind of blew him off. So he stalked her. He hunted her down. That is still my best theory for what he did. Well, him doing that for that reason is totally the opposite of, you know, Dana Smithers and the circumstances of her disappearance and everything else. The two things are not even close to being alike. Um, you know, I don't know exactly everything that was going on with Dana Smithers, but I just remember thinking that, you know, she just is very, you know, seemed to have a lot of things going on that weren't very healthy. And on top of everything else, I mean, as I think all of you know now, you know, a lot of families, they're always looking for somebody to blame. You know, that's why so many of them 
believe foul play occurred in their own personal dis- their disappearances, even though those in many of them there's no facts to support that. Um, because they want somebody to blame, they don't really want to be open to the idea that this person, yes, voluntarily walked off or committed suicide. And it's just when it comes to the emotional part of it, it's easier for them to just default to my loved one was murdered. My son was murdered. My daughter was murdered. My parent, my mother was murdered, something like that. Well, in this case, her own sister is saying, you know what? I don't think Brian Koberger had anything to do with my sister's disappearance and now death. That's good enough for me. That that is good enough for me. Uh, so what's everybody saying on this? Um, yep, Gilbert and Raw R A R A U. Gilbert got life. Raw got a lighter sentence. You know what's weird? Now that you uh, changed that name on that Puma, um. These names do sound familiar. I'm going to guess that at one time or another, I've read something about those, you know, that somewhere. Rockford, our mutual friend Reggie was all over this one. I had to admit that I haven't formed an opinion as I haven't. She, she contacted me too, Rockford. She told me she would ask me. She did. She did. She got, yeah, she, she contacted me for sure. Um, Bowling, they uh, Idaho just brought back the firing squad. I think I did see that for some reason. Not that I search out such information, Bowling, but I think I did see that. Uh, Kiernaw said, high-risk activity and company. Yeah, Kathy Rockford, I seriously doubt Brian Koberger uh, harmed Dana. I think she was meeting someone after coming home from the festival. Heidi Plank, thank you. Uh, that is the uh, L.A. woman, L.A. woman, L.A. woman. Rockford, gotcha, Kathy. And that might be next on my guest quest list. Thanks for the heads up. Kathy Rockford, Dana left her house after returning with keys only. Talked to her best friend, neighbor for a few minutes, then walked off. You know, something going on. Uh, It's very much like, uh, you know, I I did a new Unfound Now that will be out in a week for the public. Uh, I covered a disappearance in Louisiana from a couple months ago, and it's very similar woman's with friends and she just walks off right in the middle of New Orleans. Sheree, it's highly possible the quadruple murder wasn't Brian's first rodeo. So I'm glad to see investigators uh, happening in around the area. It was obsessed with murder and outsmarting everyone. So it wasn't as simple as a stalking situation. Okay. Puma, I think Brian K has killed before your first time. Isn't four people in 12 to 15 minutes stabbing them. Nonetheless, um, I'll keep an eye out for anything like that. That would be, Interesting. It's better than them not doing anything. Cad disagree. I think this was a big piece for Trada. So we got some disagreement in the chat room tonight as to Brian Koberger's uh, experience. Um, killing experience. Don't know. It's up for interpretation. Um, at least I, I I can't remember seeing anything, whether they've tried to connect him really to any other murderers and things. But like I said, if Dana Smithers' sister is going to say he didn't have anything to do with her, her death, that's at this point good enough for me. Um, All right, so we got a couple minutes left. I'm here to tell you right now, I don't know what the episode is going to be for Friday. I was actually supposed to do an interview tomorrow, um, but this woman... Uh, unexpectedly is having her grandchildren uh, there this week. 
So she asked me to put it off till next week. And I was more than happy to do that. She just says she doesn't get uh, to see her grandchildren. Of course, being that she has grandchildren, um, you know, she's not a youngster. And we are going back. We will be going back to 1972 for that disappearance when I do interview her. So I'm not sure we're, what we're quite doing uh, for Friday just yet. So it may be a little bit of a surprise. Um, it may be another revisitation episode. I hate to do one so close to the last one because you know me. Uh, I just like uh, putting out new you know, coverage of new disappearances, ones that haven't been covered before. But sometimes you run into something like this. And as you know, a lot of times when we do these interviews, it's very close to the time that the episode comes out. So something comes up in somebody's schedule and, um, you know, it can kind of throw what I'm doing, you know, throw a wrench into the works. So we'll be doing something on Friday. Maybe a surprise. If I can announce it before Friday will, but it may be a surprise. And what's, you know, the, the, the the really the strange thing is that I have like four interviews lined up for the next couple of weeks. So it's really strange that this is kind of happening this week because I've talked to some um, very eager people who are ready to uh, be interviewed and talk. And but this is Memorial Day week and, and the end of a school year and everything. So. Uh, it's not for lack of having people to talk to. That's for sure. It's just a weird situation. And, you know, I mean, what am I going to, you know, I always want the guests to be in the proper frame of mind. I don't want them to be thinking, well, I'd rather be with my grandkids and, and everything. I, you know, I just need their concentration for a couple hours. So not sure what to tell you about Friday's episode yet, but there you go. Uh, as this might be a good time to slip things in, speaking of Canada disappearances, strongly encourage all to look into the case of Dean Mortensen from Edmonton, Alberta. That is a head scratcher. I will look into it. Maybe, uh, do you know if his family does, uh, interviews and, and, uh, media appearances, maybe I should look into that Rockford, but that's all I have for tonight. Uh, some very interesting topics tonight, Madison Scott talking about Brandon Roberts, Melissa Caddick, uh, murderer Brian Koberger, Cole, yeah, Koberger, and, of course, the, the finding of Dana Smithers, and uh, some very good true crime topics tonight. And I thank you, man. You, you did all did very well with the thumbs up tonight, by the way. But if you still haven't given this video a thumbs up, please do so before you're done uh because uh do it very quickly because this live show is over thank you all so much uh for giving me some of your time tonight twinkle thank you for my star wars shirt if you haven't seen it for anybody who tuned in late my baby yoda shirt that i'm wearing here look at that look at this protect attack snack i love it and good night to everybody. Everybody keep your heads on swivels out there. Do not be surprised. Do not be a victim. Um, you know, we want you to remember, um, what is it? Awareness gives you time. Time gives you options when it comes to self-defense. Charlie, say hi to every, uh, the, the uh, kids for me. Happy Memorial Day to everybody here in the United States. 
And uh, you'll hear me on Friday, although I'm not sure what the episode would be. We'll be. Good night.